Welcome back to the House of X Book Club. I'm Rob. I'm joined with Shane. Hello. And Again. Roger. Hello. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. Yeah. And uh, so heading into this next episode, we're going to be talking about X-Men's number seven, eight, and nine. There is some really good stuff here. And as far as our production value, thanks to our uh, intrepid editor, I think the, I think it's going a lot better. <laughs> what wouldn't you say? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we definitely are able to trim a few minutes here and there. Um, you know, I, I can eliminate some of the looking down at the script and also my babbling like an incoherent idiot. It's always a plus. <laughs> nope. I'm gonna leave much. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, shall we? Let's get into it. All right. Well, moving into X Men number seven, the Return of the Blob. Um, I was a big fan of the last Blob issue. I kind of like this one too. Now, this is Magneto right going to get the Blob to join his Brotherhood. And of course, you know, the X-Men are, they got to deal with that shit. Now, before we go in, and I want to hear everybody's thoughts on this. If you remember the last time the Blob was around, Professor Xavier erased his mind so that he would forget Dick. about the X-Men and forget where the mansion was and forget anything ever happened. So the Blob is working at the carnival again, um, you know, wearing his cute little outfit doing things that Blob does, like take cannonballs to the belly and uh, scare children. But it obviously it doesn't go well because, you know, X-Men. And they, they of course, stop Magneto from using the Blob and their Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So tell me what you guys think about this issue. How did you enjoy How did you like it, first of all? This one was probably my favorite one out of all the ones we've read so far. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, I did have some problems with it. I thought, like, the, the professor just like, all right, you've graduated. Out! Yeah. Professor Xavier says, now that you've graduated, uh, I am leaving. Yeah. And <laughs> and so there's going to be a new leader of the X-Men. And uh, they're like, wait, what? He's right, like, yeah, yeah he's I like, got things to do, you guys. I got a life. <laughs> your cerebro, uh, this is how you turn it on, I'm out. Yeah. And then, but like the whole thing between Scarlet Witch and Mastermind, that it was very tense. And it was like, I felt like right? it was really well written. It was like probably one of the best written sequences in the book. Yeah. Um, this is, but, again, this is where you get the feeling that Mastermind is gnarly. I mean, yeah. he's bad. He's a yep. creeper. I, I think that, but it was also this issue where I realized that the toad doesn't walk. He just bounces. Yeah. He, like, even if he's behind somebody, he just, he bounces. And I was like, well, that's so weird. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it is, it's just weird. And then there was a little bit of inconsistency, but you don't see it until, like, if you read these issues back to back. In this issue, Cerebro gives Scott an incredibly specific reading mm -hmm. on... Oh, the blob has broken Professor Xavier's hold on his brain and has joined Magneto in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. You gotta love Cerebro, man. That shit is precise. 
And then the next <laughs> issue is the um, Eunice the Untouchable. And it's like, Cerebro said there's a mutant somewhere <laughs> on, on, on this block. <laughs> so, I mean, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I was like, well, those don't seem because I read them both in the same night. And I was like, is that which one of these is right? <laughs> I think by that time, the new leader, a.k.a. Cyclops, hadn't gotten the hang of how to use Cerebro yet. He was like, <laughs> I just, uh, so you think he I just should've... had lucked out the first time yeah he should have died he should have turned that dial like 13 degrees the other direction maybe and it would have it would have you know kind of dialed it in a little bit um so tell me raj what are your words of uh what are your words on this one how do you like it uh, it was another good issue i think uh i think maybe around this issue i decided that stanley's storytelling and, and characters were getting better and I think I think what actually kicked that off for me was the fan because I read like issue six along uh, before you mentioned reading the Fantastic Four issue, mm -hmm. and then so I Fantastic Four things were getting better as far as the writing and storytelling, mm -hmm. and then issue seven for me just kind of continued that. I don't I don't necessarily think that it goes up; it kind of plateaued, but you know there was. Uh, I don't know. I just I seem to like it better. I was just kind of settling in, and I kind of got the feeling that um, Stan Lee was settling in with the characters a little bit and feeling a little more comfortable about them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I mean, he, but yeah, he'd already I mean, been writing Fantastic Four for quite a while. Yeah, so exactly. And I think he was just kind of dialing in the characters and the and the universe that he was creating. Mm -hmm. One thing that I did notice was, yeah, the mastermind hitting on Scarlet Witch and I'm like they've all kind of flirted with Jean and then there was the name except for Iceman except for Iceman yeah <laughs> I'm going to talk about Iceman in a minute though I've got some thoughts yeah, yeah. on that that I, I okay. don't know that you guys have really thought about but okay um Prof X and uh Magneto are like evenly matched they're both like mm -hmm. they're supposed to be like older powerful mutants you know, they're the two most powerful mutants we know of because we don't, you know, this is all new. So he's, Stan Lee's giving Magneto all these powers and abilities that, you know, realistically he shouldn't have. But yeah. at the same time, if he didn't have them, he wouldn't really be on par, on par with Professor X, I guess. Because this is before the idea that his helmet would keep out Professor X's thoughts, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to, to counter, I mean, Professor X is super powerful. So you would think he would just take over Magneto and wipe his memory or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, so in I the last... This is how he was trying to get around that. Yeah. In the Fantastic Four issue, he touched that awesome android in a certain spot, as he put it. Um, yeah. Which, <laughs> which that could made... be taken the wrong way. Well, it could be. Whatever happened, it made the android double over and pass out so good job yeah. for that but yeah he he can reach the minds or whatever it is he's reaching of others and uh with with the power of his brain because he's so yeah wise. um but what i but yeah, what right. i was gonna say about bobby is what i what i from what i remember of reading the x-men back in like the 90s he was always like the junior member of the team mm-hmm it was always like he was, you know, the young teenage guy, whereas everyone else was older and more mature. And I kind of feel like Stan started that with even in issue yeah. one. 
Yeah. And uh, like his, his, his non-interest in Jean and girls, I think is just Stan trying to show him as like a kid. insecure young as male. As a kid. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid. Whereas the other guys are a little bit older and, you know, they're in, in their raging hormone phase, I guess. But um, that's just kind of how I've always taken Iceman. But then when they, you know, like you guys were saying, there's all these little things where, you know, you put them together. Maybe Iceman is secretly gay. Maybe he was written that way all the time. I don't know. Right. Who knows? It, well, I mean, it's not that pretty... he was written that way, but what it did is it made him a little bit singular. And that yeah. what that allowed yeah. for was when the writers decided to to make to 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 do that it made it easier to to do that because there were these singular things right sprinkled in there all along and you you mm -hmm. kind of go at it with that filter in your mind to start with you can kind of connect the dots and say you know what yeah this this adds up so well, yeah I, I find that kind of thing interesting because i really want stanley to have had in his mind that this is a young gay boy that just can't come he can't say it because well this is 1964 um but i i again i think i'm giving stan too much credit here i heard an interview with chris claremont where claremont always had it in his mind that kitty was into girls um but even in the 1980s late 70s or whatever he couldn't come out and just say that marvel wouldn't let him just say that right so you know uh now now we know that Kitty is also into girls, and that's groovy. But back in the day, Claremont couldn't actually couldn't say that, so he wrote it in the only way he could without actually coming out and saying it. And I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. we complained about Chris Claremont's writing years ago because we loved his writing so much, but he always left us hanging. And uh... <laughs> well, he was always super creative, and he always had great ideas. Yeah, and and just but the, never the... finished. Well, yeah, because he had such long-term, it was, he was like the perfect long-term term storyteller, but was not always allowed to finish those stories, but, but due to editorial. That's exactly yeah. right. It was, it he, was never him. It was, he always had plans, but was, it was editorial kind of cut him off at the past more times than not. Okay. He had a, he had a, a, according to Louise Simonson, he had a Bible that he kept uh, everything, all those loose ends were written down in this book because he always intended to tighten them up and to close them up. Um, and, you know, there were writers after him that were like, well, let's go ahead and work on that loose end that Claremont had. And and so it's yeah. kind of cool that he, mm -hmm. he did do that. But, uh, but yeah, he had always intended in his mind and the way he was writing her was Kitty was closeted. And uh, I don't know, I give him props for that, man. That's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's good writing. And one thing we do need to talk about too is that 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 Iceman was hitting on the the beatnik in Zelda. this issue, Zelda in this it, issue. Yeah, awkwardly, uh, they yeah. wouldn't twist his arm. It wouldn't twist his arm yeah. to take her out. And this yeah, one had page, this page one this twelve. Yeah, yeah, and this one had another had another one of Rob's odd um, word bubble um, slip ups. Um, yeah. As there as Kazilda asks, you know, what's going on? Where are you guys going? And then Bob is Bobby, who had just been talking to Zelda, says, "Didn't you know he's a superpowered mutant?" I I took that as uh, them going, "Oh yeah, whatever." You know, um, <laughs> I think he was kind of 
kind of joking around and they were just like whatever man sure that sounds that's hilarious uh i don't think they really took him seriously yeah so i don't know that it was a slip up but i think it was well but well, i mean i think that that word bubble was meant for for angel right angel was supposed to have said that not bobby oh 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 i get you and then but yeah and then i mean it just gets lost because then the next panel is is the 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 hippies painting on beast's feet i love <laughs> that was probably oh. one of my favorite things ever love that <laughs> right i love that they are carrying they're like let's create a cult we'll call it the barefoot beats and we'll paint on this cat's huge huge feet and they're they're carrying him they're like running through drinks on every drinks on me drinks for everybody and they're carrying beast and beast is like ah help me somebody somebody help <laughs> and his feet are in the air and there's like a face painted on the bottom of one of them um and then later on when they have to charge into action they show beast leaping over everybody and jumping in the back of a car and, and there's a face painted on the bottom of his foot <laughs> yep. yeah that's really weird that. I love that. And I, this is, so this is Zelda's first appearance, right? Yep. And the first appearance of Zelda and the first appearance of Bernard the Poet, who are uh, kind of supporting cast members in a way. They, I mean, they're at the Coffee A Go Go, which is. Oh, this is the scene that we talked about is possibly the first appearance of Black people. Uh, I, you talked about it. I don't right. think any of these people are Black whatsoever. I do not think so. Because um, we, because uh, we talked about the possibility of background characters who are tinted, not any flesh color, because they're yeah. they're lighting colored, yeah. as as plausible deniability. Uh, Maybe Stan wanted to put black people in there, and they were like, "Yeah, not right now, Stan. It's 1964," and so he's like, "Fine, I'll just color them all blue, then you know." But I mean, maybe. Maybe I can't I mean, give credit there because it it seems a little sketchy to me, you know. Because the other side of that is this also kind of paints the picture of how Stan and Jack are trying to include these counterculture things, but have uh, no idea how to do it. What, of what how of, 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 of what, what it they actually are. looks like because yeah. it's right. if you look at the the, the trio that's playing at saxophone, yep. guitar, yep. and oboe. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's the power uh, but trio. Yeah, so, so Rowan and I were talking about this. They're at we a, did talk they're about at a this. club they're like... listening to jazz and there's no black people. So that is a bit that's a bit funny. We talked about yeah. this, but we also wondered if if this is something that they might also have some awareness of and but at the same time th this is something that might actually tap they might actually tap some awareness like this might be like a, something that they re realize how they have some awareness of yeah so jack maybe wanted to draw maybe you know maybe in his his mind he's like i really think there should be black people here damn it and i i mean i have zero idea on that but like yeah, this might have been the, a moment where they might have had some awareness or, or realized they had some lack of awareness. Well, I got to say, I love the feet beat cult. I think that is awesome. Yeah, um, that's it is. It's really cool. In this, uh, another thing we, we, we noticed was that 
this had me laughing so hard, you guys. So in a, a few pages after this one, where they're in the, the club, it's, I believe, page 15, where Angel calls the blob diapers. That's like a nickname he gives him. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm like, what? You, diapers? Why did he call him diapers? <laughs> And uh, Rowan points out, well, look at his little outfit. <laughs> yeah, he kind of does and he's look like, like a baby. baby. And he, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that, that was one thing I noticed about the art in this book, too, is that that Blob's shape and size fluctuates a lot throughout yeah. this book. It does. Totally. I, 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 but I did, however, love when he decided to start razzling Magneto. That was awesome. Yeah, but yeah, his yeah. he's kind of all over the place. Um, well, we know that Blob in this, and it came up in the last time he was in the book that he doesn't want to be controlled by anybody. He just wants to do his own thing. And and after a fight with the Brotherhood and Blob and the X Men, Blob finally goes, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm leaving. I I don't need to be part of any Brotherhood of whatever mutants. And and then the X Men are like, well, you can join us again. Oh, and, screw you. Like, screw. I mean, just that that's what he should be saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, after hey, what wait, happened to him? Your bald leader controlled my, he breathed yeah. my mind last time. Did the mental equivalent of sticking his thumb in my soft spot. Yeah. So, <laughs> at any rate, so the blob wanders off going, I'm just going to go back to the circus. You know, screw you guys. Um, oh, and this I was do... the, this was the one where you talked about where, but it's not just his underpants. He, it's his, he is covered head to toe in weird white splotches. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like Bobby looks like the town jizz jar. Oh my God, it's gross. <laughs> I I don't even know why that popped into my head, but it just looked wrong to me. And then he um, then when he freezes and all of his clothes shatter off. I'm like, dude, break off. I would do that all the time. <laughs> it's yeah. just be like Psh! <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is later they got to get a cab, and I'm like, great, you can't, you have to be Iceman in that cab because now you're naked. <laughs> um, now, this is also the issue where, um, like, Scarlet Witch really gets to a point where she's going to tell Magneto to go screw himself mm -hmm. um, because she's just tired of, tired of his, his crap and tired of having to fend off, uh, you know, mastermind. So at any rate, uh, I found that this was a, a, a lot of fun. This whole issue was, was good. This one was another one where Magneto was like insanely powered. Yeah. He shredded, he shredded their helicopter. Yeah. yeah. Just in midair. <laughs> yeah. Which is why they had to call a cab at the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, and then like, he's like levitating multiple torpedoes at the same time and launching them at different people. And my favorite part of that is when Magneto throws the giant penis at him, what is Bobby's solution? Cock rings. <laughs> my God. The signs are all there. Yes, what indeed. is he? What is he? <laughs> hey man? You know, Bobby's got Bobby's got he's got needs. Um <laughs> what does he call those? Uh I, I love the fact that anytime something launched at Bobby, he creates like a a, a tube made out of ice to kind of <laughs> yeah. redirect it. But but he Especially does. Especially the he big creates... penis shaped thing. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, uh, 
create a quick uh, a cur create a, a curved ice tube quick the the way you've done in practice sessions and he says i read you leader man why didn't i think of this well i don't know you're doing all right and then he's he goes whoops got one got away so then he bursts out with these what he calls uh, ice wheels that kind of go around at the torpedo and then it just yeah. rolls off um and <laughs> Uh, Pretty neat, okay. huh? It just rolls harmlessly away. Torpedoes yeah, so don't anyway. do anything harmlessly. <laughs> well, let's not let's not forget that they weren't actually launched; they were flung using magnetism. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe magnetism. Um, yes, because magnetism. I like I I do uh, like the way they used like Cyclops's power to kind of blast a hole under Iceman to. So he could mm -hmm. dodge that. That was clever. Uh, I, uh, this is the issue where I really get to not like quick, uh, not like Cyclops. Like, um, first of all, he's too serious. He's too like, uh, I don't know. I think he's just a big asshole. He's just a, a jerk. Um, and uh, I respect everybody that, that loves Cyclops and thinks he's a wonderful character and that's their favorite character. I respect them. I just don't understand them. Um, <laughs> My notes do say Scott's a sourpuss. He is a sourpuss. I'm the leader of the X-Men now. I have to be real serious. And, oh, and then, I love and it's like, and my, my favorite thing is like, based on how well they did against the Fantastic Four, Professor X decided that Cyclops should be the leader. That's like, the, <laughs> what, what, what's so, you know, it's like, okay, regardless of the fact that like you just bought into the plan to go and beat up the Fantastic Four, your plan was to go land the helicopter on the roof and then surprise them. <laughs> excelsior so, <laughs> all right so moving well before we move into number eight well, i will that was say number, that yeah though that was yeah, number seven yeah seven at the end of the issues they have you know where the, the thing happens it all wraps up then it says the end and then there's like a caption that takes up like a third of the page that says in this case and so another X-Men adventure becomes history. But will we see more of Magneto's evil mutants? Will we see new danger and surprises? Will we? Are you kidding? Now, to all you happy homo sapiens, so long till next ish. Uh, that, that's like more words are in that caption than on some other pages, you know? <laughs> you know, and it takes yeah. up, like I said, a whole third of the page. But anyway. So on to number eight, uh, X-Men number eight, of course, is starts out with some X-Men training. Um, and Bobby's Scott holding is a not giant doing... ice penis. Yeah. It, Cyclops <laughs> is not training. I would like to point out. Because he's the leader. Duh. I know. <laughs> why is he? He still is... has to be training. He should be training yeah. as much as they're training. And he's not training. And Which means that he's getting less good at being an X-Man. And he's also wearing Professor X's suit for some weird fucking reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's... that's I I have they he said I had to wear the pants in the family now, so I took it literally. I figured he was just like, all right, Professor Xavier left. I've got to fill his shoes. Wait, his pants are here too. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so this is the uncanny threat of Eunice the Untouchable. Let's take a look and see who does this. Oh, it's the same group. Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Chick Stone, and Sam Rosen. Um, you know, the book starts out. Now, here, this is the one. Okay. I uh, Angel is flying loop-de-loops. Um, Beast is balancing on a ball that's on a tightrope. Um, it's a disc. It's a, a disc. It's like a it's wheel. A, yeah, you're right. It's it's a disc. Uh, Iceman yeah. is creating a. I don't know. Snow what, penis. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> a big long protuberance made out of ice. It's um, like a pole vault pole. Yes, yeah, a javelin. Um, yeah. And Marvel Girl is sewing. But don't reduce it to that simplistic. I mean, she that takes with like, her mind. It's, 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 yes. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of took it as like they were trying to think of something to have her to depict practicing like the delicate practice yeah. with her mental power. Yeah, except and she she's a lady, a so she sews and stuff, you know. Yeah, so except she dropped a stitch. She, uh, yeah, it even says right there, Cyclops is like, well, you did drop a stitch. Um, yeah. Fucking Cyclops, though, standing there in Professor X's suit, <laughs> watching all this happen. Um, yep. <laughs> it's so, it's it's the tie that gives me a boner for Jean Grey. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Okay, this particular issue, yeah, they they uh, go after Eunice because, well, Cerebro's like, there's a mutant over there someplace, and they're like, all right, we'll go check him out. Um, and they find out that Eunice has already applied to join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Now, Shane, I figured you'd love this issue, man. It's all about pro wrestling. Um, <laughs> well, this one, this one I liked, but for two reasons that don't reply to that. One, okay. this is Bobby's power changes. Ah, yes. This That's is right. the first time that he no longer looks like a snowman. Right. He just, he's got sharper edges. Uh-huh. Yep. And right before that is the most frightening Iceman image I have ever seen in a comic book <laughs> ever, 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 fucking ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever? Um, uh, okay. What, what page is that on? That's on page, page two. 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 He's, oh. he's laughing. <laughs> while while fondling his snow penis yeah and and it just is it's it's horrifying and that that's, like, that's, eyes, like, right? that's, that's like drug filled night the dr <laughs> nightmare fuel right there yeah there's no eyes dude there's no eyes it, it's, it's just like he has a hollow head it's, it's it, yeah his, his mouth is an endless void yeah. It's like it's like it's like the it's like the bad end of a pink floyd song right there <laughs> boy oh boy well you're right in the same page he's like all right um i'm gonna you know i'm gonna show you i can turn into ice i'm not just the snowman anymore um now they've already graduated by this point mm -hmm. and and are showing off their new newly honed powers to cyclops who is not progressing at all because he's just standing there being a sourpuss um but Iceman's like, not only that, look at this cool ice javelin I made. And Cyclops is like, zaps it with his eye beam. And, uh, you know, it's See, to me he's that's practicing. Yeah. Being a, <laughs> being a huge douche canoe. Yeah. Yep. That's, 
that's like Jean Grey breaking the thing's uh, statue statue of himself, you know. <laughs> and then really blaming like, it on him. I really like <laughs> this ice pick. Why'd you break it? Um, and then and then you know he he also attacks uh, Beast. I think at some point, and Beast is like, "Hey, what are you? What's up?" And he's like, "You should always be ready." But alas, um, yeah, they realize. Oh, I I kind of. I kind of don't want to get into this. Um, I mean, I kind of want to hear everybody else talk about it, but um, Beast quits the team. And he quits the team. Do you guys remember why he quits? He quits because they he, he outed himself as a mutant and then got pissed when the crowd reacted poorly. Yeah, so this is really the first time the public is, like, violent against mutants. Yeah. This is... This is where it starts. This is where they're like, hey, he's a mutant. He's one of the X-Men, and he's trying to hide it from us. That means he's up to something, and so they attack. Um, And he did that because he was saving a kid. I mean, He saving... was saving a kid, and they said that he did that to hide the fact that he was bad. I mean, if you listen to the banter of the, of the people, yeah, they said that yeah. he was doing that to hide the fact that he was bad. It was a very weird logic that the the crowd was using but well i i'm sorry but in today's society that logic is real uh <laughs> well no i'm not saying that the crowd wouldn't have reacted badly i yeah, think a they, lot of people would still react badly yeah um um but the crowd reacting badly made beast loses sort of loses his stuff over it and he was yeah. like magneto has it right you know he kind of was like <laughs> Screw this coexistence thing, and he, yeah. he, he loses his temper over over the fact that he was attacked um, for being a mutant. Now I find this funny because Scott, who's now the new team leader, and is always like, "You got to listen to me. I'm the leader. Professor X made me the leader. I'm the leader, and I'm serious because I'm wearing his. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'm wearing his pants. I'm wearing his suit." <laughs> And then, and then Beast is like, "Screw you! I'm out, Cyclops. Go lead your own. Forget it. I'm out. Gone. And if I'm going to give everybody advice, you all need to, you need to boogie, man. Disband the X Men and take off because this is bullshit." And uh, Cyclops is like, "Oh boy, I need to call the. I don't, I don't know what to do. I got to call the professor." <laughs> and uh, where's the professor? Well, he's in the Balkans somewhere in some network of caves underground. Uh, on in a... the most awesome tank treaded, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wheelchair, yeah, yeah, precursor to the to the the Reavers, yep, yeah. Professor X was the original Reaver, right there. I've, yep. I think that's awesome. And you know what? He has on a headlamp. He's got a hard hat and a headlamp. He safety first. Yep. Uh, you know. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. I like it. <laughs> um, is the, but correct me if I'm wrong. So two things. Isn't this the first issue where Jean says she has the hots for Scott? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it's the first time you get like the thought bubbles. Yeah. And then the, again, with the very odd spatial relations, it looks like the kids on top of a very small water tower. Yeah, it does. and then you turn the page, and and the beast is is almost disappearing across the mass of this water, same water tower. <laughs> the kid, all he needs to do is like you know move a little to the left, and he's not even in danger because you know 
it's like 50 feet of surface you can just yeah i mean that's i guess that's what kids did in the 60s was you know you know i guess water towers water towers or like leave it to beaver getting the giant coffee cup out in front of the diner and (laughs) i'll tell you man you know in the early 90s it was climbing electrical towers i mean that was all the rage (laughs) you know that's that's, that did happen that's true no i know they made commercials about it uh i remember asking and drive your boat i remember asking out this i remember asking out this girl at school and uh She's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. Have dinner, see a movie, climb electrical towers. Um, <laughs> hmm. I didn't go over well. But um, so Beast, of course, splits, right? And he does what? He becomes a, a wrestler because that's in the Marvel Universe, man. When you need money fast and you don't know how to do it, that's what you do. You go to the wrestling circuits. I mean, Peter Parker did it. It worked out for him. Beast did it. And apparently so did Eunice the Untouchable. Because when you're untouchable in the ring, well, that's going to win you. That's going to win. So, uh, and Beast does. He gets tromped. Um, you know, he takes a jump off the top rope, heads right down towards Eunice, and Eunice just stands there, and Beast gets flung. It's so cool. Uh, I have never liked Eunice the Untouchable. I have always thought he was such a boring character. Um, of course, it turns out now Beast is the bad guy in this in this pro wrestling world right um and so he gets a lot of booze and stuff uh eunice is the hero and they're all cheering him on everybody knows him he's famous and uh they catch him basically talking to mastermind because he wants to join the evil mutants um oh he catches he catches a bunch of bank robbers right and he takes the money away from him. Yoink! <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, well, I'll show him. I could be an evil mutant. I just got all the money from this bank. And then, of course, Angel swings by and it's like, aha, you're one of the, the bank robbers. And, uh, you know, he trounces on Angel, too. So And after he calmly folds his suit. He does. <laughs> he does. And he says, you know, if I'm going to be an evil mutant, I got to dress the part. So he pulls off his suit and he has his wrestling outfit underneath it with his red long johns for some reason. Yeah. 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 And uh, so he, you know, he trounces on, on angel. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I love, I, like I said, I've never been a fan of, but I do like this, this issue. I do like Eunice in this issue. And yeah, it's kind of neat when, Nothing can touch him. I mean, these guys shoot at him and then they have to run off because the bullets are deflecting and almost hitting them. So uh, it's it's fun. Um, and then, of course, you know, the X-Men are having a hell of a time because, well, Eunice is untouchable. And it's freaking Iceman who busts out with this ice cage to hold him. And uh, and it, it's it doesn't work all that well because you know it's close enough to Eunice that it'll just break because he has this barrier around him that makes him untouchable. Um, Beat turns into X Men Mansion is like oh, okay I know what's going on with Eunice I can I can take care of this. and he starts devising a little ray gun that he's going to use on Eunice to enhance his power to the degree he is super untouchable i don't know i don't know exactly why that was his thought well he can't touch anything else 
And he repels everything. Yeah. Well, why didn't he tell them what he was doing? It's like, man, I still hate you all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's kind of counterproductive. And so yes. they're like, oh, wait, Beast is actually teaming up with the evil mutants. He's making a, a weapon for Eunice, you know. Um, and then what I do think is cool, though, is that Eunice kind of thinks that, too. He's like, oh, he just made me more powerful. Right on, Beast. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it turns out that now Eunice can't touch anything. He can't eat. He can't smoke a damn cigarette. And that's all he really wanted was to smoke a damn cigarette. He just wanted a Pepsi. Oh, so so this is this is the first ever appearance of Eunice, right? Yes. Okay. So it's not clearly stated that he's a mutant, is it? Um, it sounds to me. I was going to say not was. specifically. They don't. They, it's not not at first. Not until. The 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 vague, um, there's a vague, cerebro reading. Yeah, right. It's like mm. oh, okay, there's right. there's there's a mutant over there, somewhere. But, it, but if you look, I think. Well, no, never mind. Okay, I started to say I think somebody else on that readout is not a mutant too, but I uh, could be wrong about that. Um, I do like how Cyclops c- c- communicates with Professor X. He turns on Cerebro and just thinks about him. And then Professor X's face shows up on the monitor. Um, yeah, that was another really creepy picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, How's it going, Scott? You've stopped masturbating while sitting in my chair, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am not a cat. Um, so, so Eunice, of course, um, you know, realizes that shit. This is uh, my power's gotten away from me. I have to kind of do what the X Men say because if I don't, I'll never get to eat and I'll never get to breathe. I'll never get to eat, and uh, you know, it's 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 I'll die. So he says, "All right, I'll be good," and they let him go. And uh, they're like, "No, don't go join in the X Men or don't go join Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants." And he's like, "No, I've had it with teams, man. I don't want to be a part of anything." Kind of like the blob, he just wanders off and says, "I'm I'm on my own. I'm best on my own." And then there's another, you know, third page caption at the bottom explaining that, you know, <laughs> all he had to do was lie. I know. Well, as we'll see, he shows up later. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's Eunice, the untouchable and the uh, dishonest. So, so he's a bad guy. I actually like this one because um, I thought it was an interesting power. Yeah. yeah, It is an interesting power in my mind. And this is, I, I do like it too, but I think that Eunice over the years has been boring as hell. And it's almost well, that's like... Because the writers don't take advantage of the, the weird abilities. See, a lot of these characters over the years, the writers have taken the time to develop them and kind of explore the powers. No one's done that. Yeah with this character but the way he's written here too kind of establishes that he's very stoic and yeah very very flat that's true you know in contrast with that's actually his personality yeah the big flashy over-the-top wrestling persona and he's about as interesting as elmer's school glue yeah (laughs) well 
I think when you think about it, the the things you could do with Elmer's glue is, <laughs> is pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> much like Eunice's powers. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're right. The writers later on just don't know what to do with him. And that's yep. unfortunate because he, he's got some pretty honorly powers. I mean, we talked about, you know, mastermind being, ha having the capacity to be t completely unstoppable and evil. Uh, the purple man was, you know, thanks to God, who was it? Brian Michael Bendis, Bendis who, mm -hmm. who was like, no, the purple man is really bad. And, so terrifying. Uh, you know, so maybe finally somebody will do something with Eunice, the untouchable. Uh, you know what else I yeah, about this? This issue has more of a sci-fi aspect to it because he's the beast. They're showing the beast being brilliant by creating this sci-fi kind of device. It's almost like mm -hmm. something you'd see in Fantastic Four. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. But I the, like how the, he does it in one panel too. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah. The, and it's like because like before Professor X was the big brain. Yeah, yeah. He was he was inventing shit on the fly in the first couple issues. Well, so what yeah. we're doing, what we're doing here is we're showing that together the team has the ability to be Professor Xavier. Individually, they're not. Yeah. Um, Cyclops is a leader, but he's not much of anything else. Actually, I mean, it's debatable whether he's much of a leader, but you know, he is the leader. Uh, Beast is the big brain, but he's not a leader, and you know, Iceman. Or, he actually or, does a he does a lot of cool stuff. He makes a lot of neat things on the fly with no, his ice does. power. Yeah, no, he. I mean, that hollow tube and the. He makes a lot of slides, and he makes yeah. a lot of neat stuff that keeps people from falling to their deaths. I want the story though, that has people being crushed under the ice after it starts to melt. I I mean, I want to know what the fallout of all that is. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's like a three-page story in the back of an annual someplace, maybe. <laughs> well, you could you could do that kind of thing with Spider-Man, yeah, and his webbing, right? Because he likes to web up the criminals and have them wait for the cops. But we know in that precarious positions, yeah. Like, yeah. what if they show up like an hour and ten minutes? Are they just gonna find a paraplegic criminal there and right someone whose back is broken or someone who's yeah. asphy asphyxiated or something like that yeah yeah exactly spider-man tied me to the the flagpole 37 stories up and you guys didn't get here fast <laughs> enough i mean even just falling from the lamp post i had to pee in my own pants my god <laughs> just tied there for an hour <laughs> well uh that's x-men number eight any any last words before we move on to the final issue of our of our meeting tonight I, I i wasn't quite clear how the plastic bubble was hmm. going to stop eunice <laughs> well <laughs> well because yeah. he's he says if all else fails we'll drop a plastic bubble like this over eunice he won't be able to touch it but it will move with him it will be a form of portable prison but, but so I think it was like a backup plan because yeah, Beast had already yeah. done that with his little ray gun thing. But yeah, I think but this that, was kind of a backup. Yeah, that was a really shitty backup, Cyclops. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if like the 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 untouch the, the the untouchable ray gun doesn't work on him? 
put them in a sack. This is before know. they had warnings about putting a plastic bag over your head. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> 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 uh, I, I guess the plastic bubble certainly beats, you know, covering him in uh, gasoline doused rags and setting him on fire. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right johnny uh, the human torch yeah that's right um i like though in this issue when they're doing their training how cyclops will just uh you know shout out uh battleship moves g5 and, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah you know angel knows what that means and you know try d11 uh, and then gene gray is like you sunk my battleship and, <laughs> uh I don't know. I, I like that. I'm like, I actually was thinking, does it actually have any kind of bearing? Like, does G5 actually mean something? Or is Stan just pulling numbers and letters out of his ass? Um, but Yeah, does anyway. he have like, yeah, he's got like his secret book of X-Men maneuvers that are up yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, later on, like two years down the road, they're going to be fighting, you know, the, I don't know, the Locust or somebody. And they're like, uh, remember G5? And Jean Grey says, yeah, that's the one. No, no, that's F11. Uh, <laughs> I mean, A1 is the first one we did. F11 is only the, oh, geez, you know. So anyway. It's, that's print screen, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, X-Men number nine. This one, I, li I like it a lot. Uh, probably more than I should. I don't know. And part of it, part of it is because um, when I read this and I've read this particular issue in a couple different forms, I think it shows up in an annual at some point. Um, but a lot of reprint reprints. Yes. In yeah, yeah, X-Men. Totally. Um, but I go back to our Marvel role-playing game where uh I introduced the Avengers versus the X-Men and the X-Men were like the second string X-Men player, X-Men characters. And, and, uh, and I had the players, of course, you guys play the Avengers versus the second string X-Men characters and giant man shrunk down to the size of an ant flew into a character's nose and then got big all of a sudden, which blew that guy's face off. So I'm reading this book seeing those characters in my head I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing the whole time um so this is uh this is x-men number nine guest starring the mighty avengers another there's, truly marvelous star-studded epic there's there's the the reaver style wheelchair yeah too. yeah he's got that yeah that tank treaded uh, and carrying a gun. Look at that professor yeah. X with a gun. Yeah, seriously. He just busts out like, <laughs> he's, like... he's got a Glock, man. He's just gonna, he's gonna, <laughs> gonna put down. I didn't, we never like... have, to, we have never talked about the fact that he smokes a pipe. It's oh just... yeah. When he's at his most serious moments, he busts out he that smokes, pipe. He yep. busts out the pipe. Yeah. Uh, then he, then and now he's he, now all of a sudden he's street justice, Professor Xavier. <laughs> and he's all feeling vengeful. And he's looking good too. You notice he took off his helmet with his street with his headlamp on, so he could, you know, be all Kojak about it. Um, yeah. So don't miss the return of Professor X, who's never really been gone. I mean, we could only hope, but no, he's. Remember, he's been in the Balkans in the, in the tunnel. Yeah. And 
wait till you meet Lucifer, which isn't a whole lot. I mean, Lucifer's kind of a there's not not a whole lot to him, but yeah, I was that was like, well, this is the dude that doesn't look anything like a devil, mm-hmm. and right. is just kind of built a neat machine that can. He's, he's not much of a light bringer. No. <laughs> um. Well, I I think that they end up doing a lot of retcon with this character later on. He creates something called Dominus, which becomes a thing like in the seventies, eighties, and. Uh, is connected to the Avengers and Scarlet Witch and and her kids and I don't know there's all kinds of craziness going on so and I I only put two and two together because I'm like what happened to Lucifer I mean you know you think so this is where Professor Xavier has gone this is where he went he went to defeat Lucifer because he has been he wants vengeance Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucifer is apparently the guy that cost him his legs. And well, what, let's wait because we don't want to get too far because we're skipping over the fact that Jean Grey was thinking about how much she would like to give Scott a get well soon, Beejer. And I just <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Hank is serving iced tea with his toes. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> I mean, so, so here we here we go. The, the book starts out, and the X Men are on a cruise. <laughs> um, like that's gonna that, that's gonna dock in Europe. And that's gonna dock somewhere in Europe. It doesn't say where. It's it just doesn't kind say of, where. Just we're gonna yeah. we're docking in Europe. In Europe. Yes. Do we take the helicopter? Do we take our jet? Do we take our pirate ship? No, public transportation is the Take way to go. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we could. Remember, not, there even, was that... not even expedient public transportation. <laughs> Let's take the most lackadaisical way to possibly get to Europe. I suppose they probably took a train to California so they could go the long way around <laughs> to get to Europe from the other side. Well, it you know. It it still works. I mean, modern day X Men they have teleporters and shit, spacecraft, but they get an Uber, you know. <laughs> uh, so so they're on this ship, and the ship, of course, is going to hit an iceberg. And uh, Cyclops is like, uh, "I got to use my power beam." Just you know, shoots the power beam, blows up the iceberg, and then the guys driving the ship are like, "Hey, what happened? What was that?" And they're like, "I don't know." And I, and then Cyclops is like, "Oh, I feel weak." He starts sw- yeah, he starts swooning because that was just too much for him. He uh he good shot thing his... nobody saw that. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then of course you you you've got this older couple that are like, Oh, that kid's seasick boy, he should have taken his pills. Um but but yeah. So the idea here is that the X-Men are in touch with Xavier and they're gonna go meet him to what to fight lucifer i mean he went off on his own to begin with why did he do that (laughs) you know why did he go out by himself if he's just going to have the x-men come meet him and and, you know team up so the idea is that they're going to go out and they're going to fight lucifer but xavier discovers that lucifer has created this bomb that will blow up all of antarctica and create a flood that will destroy the whole world which is really cool yeah (laughs) it's really dope (laughs) but 
but it's like it's like right before like this this page with like professor x going through the tunnels is all over the place it's rock no it's metal no it's on fire no <laughs> It's <laughs> just panel to panel. It's like, yeah, man, the mescaline's really kicking in this afternoon. <laughs> no. well, it he's is got the gadget arms on the on the wheelchair to save him too. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, Lucifer, you know, I guess he triggers a trap door and the the floor collapses and there's fire and he's like, that's all right. I got these arms that are going to shoot out and stop (laughs) my heavy wheelchair tank from falling. Uh, You know, that is uh, maneuver uh, B-17. And uh, (laughs) so, um, so, of course, Lucifer's got this little trigger in his heart that if his heart stops, the it ignites the fuse of the bomb and Antarctica explodes and the whole world is destroyed. So, uh, you know, he's telling Xavier, you can't defeat me because, well, magnet. There goes the world. Yeah. And it's like, so, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to bust a cap in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> breaks out his Glock and he's getting ready to shoot him. Um, but, you know, and he warns, he warns the X-Men about this and and the x-men are like all right well crap what do we do now and then the avengers show up and they're like we have to destroy the menace yes and again so with with thor's evil sensing hammer it can sense evil it's true but but how does it how does it signal out like like the evil of lucifer as compared to like the 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 evil of laughing, you know. I mean, how is it, how is it separating between those two? You know, there's... it's uh, it's very specific and, and much like Cerebro, it it will tell you, you know, exactly what's going on. Sometimes, um, sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I want to quickly, I want to quickly point something out that's fun here at the end of the book. Really, uh, you find out that the Avengers leadership is kind of a weekly rotation. And this week, and this week it's yeah. Thor's turn to lead the team. I um, thought we were an autonomous collective. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I also want to point out that years later, it's still like that. Yeah. Like, like for a time, Black Panther's turn to lead, then Captain America's turn to lead, and then Tony, oh, screw Tony, no, somebody else, <laughs> that that gorilla, let him lead, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how it works. Um. And I wonder how the Avengers got anything done. <laughs> so what do they do when Milner is sensing evil, but but Thor's not leading? So like Milner's over there like tugging them along and he's like, sorry, we can't do anything about it. I don't lead this week. I imagine that Captain Can- uh, Captain Kangaroo or whoever's leading it at the time <laughs> says, all right. We're gonna do. We're gonna go where Milner tells us to go. But you stand behind me because I'm in the lead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it worked out in the book. I think somebody said, "All right, you gotta, you gotta stand behind Captain America now because he's leading." At any that's rate, hilarious. What I find to be funny is that the Avengers go there to kill Lucifer. Like they're there to kill him. They say we have to destroy this threat, and and we know that if he dies, then you know, Antarctica, the world flood. They don't know that. No, we knew. So right. so we know that when he says we're there to destroy him, 
we're like, oh shit, we can't. I mean, the X Men can't possibly let them kill him. But what about the fact that these are heroes and they shouldn't be killing any damn buddy in the first place? I mean, you're really there to kill him, you know? Well, so can we back up and talk about how the Avengers just bully this rando in the convertible? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. On their way, on their way to the headquarters, the evil headquarters, they 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 see a guy in a car and they're like, "Yeah, hey there." Uh, and <laughs> they basically are telling him, "You shouldn't go that way because it's dangerous, right?" Uh, you know that's what they're the saying basically they scare the shit out of this guy now wait a minute you're telling me that this guy who obviously is a tourist from america doesn't know who the avengers are (laughs) right and then and then the x-men are like yeah then warren just strips down right in front of the dude and is like hey check it out i got wings well yeah so the guy does say something like oh it's good it's good to see normal people for once i just saw i just saw a maniac with a hammer and and uh, a a giant and a you know all kinds of stuff and then Warren yeah t- takes off his shirt like he does and uh, flares out his wings and the guy's like I'm getting out of here I'm going back to Yonkers or wherever it is Ohio 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 yeah yeah, yeah. so I don't know maybe in maybe in Ohio they haven't heard of the Avengers uh, <laughs> I don't know but but yeah they they totally bully that guy you're right. Uh, at any rate um, so so there's a fight between Avengers and the X-Men and I gotta say the X-Men seem to be doing alright Thor ain't all that in this book you know and they're, they're doing that mindlessly following thing because yeah. this is a moment when Professor Xavier just says oh fight them you've got to fight them and they're like, okay. okay. I think they do tell them though that you know we can't, you can't let them, you can't let them, you know, harm Lucifer because of this thing. And they're like, oh, all right, okay. I mean, they do kind of just go, yeah, sure, you got it. But I think it gives it a little more. There's a little more context, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I did to Rowan's point. He also was like. I'm going under there and I'm killing this motherfucker. That's right. And, and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point there. <laughs> oh, well, they're, they're, they're like, yeah, the last, the last communication they got from him before he t- comes and tells them to protect Lucifer was I'm going underground. If I don't come back, come kill this bitch. Right. Right. Um, so, so of course there's the battle between Professor X and um, Lucifer Underground, the the bullying of the the Ohio guy in his car. Uh, if you have the comic book in front of you, I would like you please to turn to page ten. Look at the fourth panel on the page. Iceman standing behind a rock, again covered in pectorals. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we just have to, we're supposed to assume that that's mid-transformation. I'm hoping. Because otherwise he has got some serious, I guess not even nocturnal emissions. That's just, (laughs) that's just, he's got morning wood (laughs) mid-afternoon. What what I find neat though, is that he actually took the time to take his clothes off behind this rock. 
mm-hmm. and then turn into ice, you know, ice, ice man. Uh, he didn't just, uh, turn into ice man and freeze his clothes off. He, he, uh, stripped down naked and then turned into ice man. Well, what I like is the fact that in the first panel, Beast apparently has a reversible suit, but the reversible side is his X-Men uniform. (laughs) (laughs) That is cool. (laughs) I want that. (laughs) Uh, uh, And and also we get to see, um, you know, some some great moves by uh, Jean Grey when Scott yells at her, look out for that hole, and she moves a log over the hole so she doesn't step in the hole. Um, it'd probably be quicker just to walk around the hole. But well, there wasn't she... enough time. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it says that, but <laughs> really? <laughs> and the time that it takes to make one step. Oh, and move a log. Um, well, she put it there, you know, for other people. Well, that's very, very thoughtful, I gotta say. Um, uh, Beast, oh, yes. So I like the fight between the Wasp and Marvel Girl. Uh, Wasp grabs Marvel Girl's hair and pulls it in front of her eyes, and it's like, you can't fight when you can't see. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's actually kind of, it's like uh, Keystone Cop kind of stuff, this, this whole battle between the X-Men and the uh, Avengers. Um, it's a lot of fun. Like you've got uh, Iron Man and the Beast bumping into each other, and there's this big whoop right between them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a blast. Meanwhile, all the serious shit is taking place downstairs with Lucifer and the Professor, and uh, and then the Professor uses his mind to knock Lucifer unconscious. Why didn't he do that from across the world? I mean, he could have, right? He's done this before where he's used, used his wise powers of telepathy to knock out or to touch the, the you know, awesome android in a, a certain place that knocked him out. Why couldn't he do that to <laughs> Lucifer and then, I don't know, just go get his shit, filter through his pockets or whatever. At any rate. <laughs> Steal his car keys. Yeah. <laughs> so. The X-Men and the Avengers are fighting, and finally Bobby's like, I've had enough of this shit, and he barricades himself in a big block of ice. <laughs> now, now there is a point where somebody hits Thor, and he drops his hammer, and I think it's Angel who tries to pick it up. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. holy crap, I can't pick this thing up. Uh, and then the Beast gets a hold of Captain America's shield, which is cool. Um, and, uh, and yeah, while... Thor is gonna pound on Bobby's ice block. Professor Xavier permeates the mind of Thor and says, "This is why they're fighting you. This is what's going on." And Thor is like, "Oh, okay. Well, hang on a minute. Stop fighting. This is what's going on, you guys." And they're like, "Oh, well, let's, let's leave these guys to do their thing. Sorry, fellas. Uh, good fight. See ya. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird that they leave." Yeah, yeah. So they, I mean, they they've, do. They... they've gotten all the trouble to be there. Why not just join them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I, now, I always thought this in Marvel Comics, especially after you have um, come up with an entire universe full of characters and they all live in New York City. If there's a, I mean, you you got Shocker robbing a bank. Why is it Spider Man is the only one that shows up? It seems to me that like the X Men. 
the defenders ghost rider silver surfer i mean all these people would be at the at the entrance of the bank on his way out at least being more like than really one. you know <laughs> you know what you know they're all gonna be there i mean because they're all thinking oh there's a bank robbery let's go stop that guy and then they get there and they're like oh hey spider-man how's it going good reed richards how are you great oh hey look you know there's Iceman. Uh, yeah because there's a guy robbing a bank i mean you figure there you figure that's got to happen once in a while but yeah. no we we have to we have to save that for inferno or you know <laughs> mutant massacre or something <laughs> so at any rate as the avengers are leaving this is something that i thought was hilarious on page 16 one of the last panels um giant man who says well little ones it seems we've traveled clear across the atlantic only to blunder into someone else's fight and uh little wasp says it wasn't all a waste i did get to meet that dreamy angel and rowan brings up the fact wait how old is angel again <laughs> and how old is janet van dyne she's an adult i mean she's about two inches tall but she's an adult and he's still like 17 years old in defense of the wasp she does just do it to like make giant man jealous <laughs> <laughs> that makes it all better <laughs> she says oh right? i'm wasting i'm wasting my time as usual hank is too smart to act jealous what is your game, little wasp? But that's what I want to know. Uh, but at any rate, but look at the look at the look at the look at the comparisons, though. You've got Giant Man, who's supposed to be the smart one. Mm -hmm. You've got um, Iron Man, who's where all the money is. Mm -hmm. And then you've got—I mean—you've got Captain America, who was the the street kid from New York. And then mm -hmm. you've got the wasp, who's the woman. Yeah, <laughs> which is, it just was kind of the way that they treat it's like, and then and then there's Thor, who is like the third Nelson brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like they all that's going this... that's going further back than I thought. It's... I thought you were going to bust out with some like Hanson or something. But no. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> but I mean, it is. It's it's like they all fit into the. It's like so. Who's going to be the rich one? You yeah. know who's gonna be the girl? What are we gonna call the? Yeah, you know, what are we gonna call the kid from New York? Yeah. Well, here's my question: What happens when it's Wasp's week to lead the team? Does she get to? Or do they just <laughs> go? Oh, well, I think this time it's Thor's turn again, isn't it? Thor, it's your turn, right? Yeah, it's Thor's turn. They probably <laughs> never portray the book with her as the leader. Yeah, Not that that, that, that issue never gets printed. Yeah. <laughs> That's the lost story. <laughs> yeah. That's why some books are crazy in their numbering. <laughs> <laughs> we all thought it was uh century. No, it's it's all the wasps' fault. So of course they they do their thing, you know, the X the X-Men and the Avengers take off and the of X-Men are like, okay, the X-Men are like, okay, we're we're gonna go down and help Professor X. And he gets Cyclops to go down with him to use his power beam and this is where cyclops has mastered his powers he kind of makes that beam kind of little tiny like as fine as he can to to hit the fuse and destroy the fuse in this big bomb that's going to blow up antarctica uh, and that makes professor xavier very proud 
of course, he does it just in the nick of time because whatever Professor X has done to knock out Lucifer, it looks like Lucifer's gonna die. It affected his heart anyway. It affect yeah, he's so, yeah, he's he's a weak heart. Yeah. So but but so how how was Professor X able to use his telepathy to locate an inanimate object? He's wise. He used uh, magnetism. Oh, that's right. He's wise. That's yeah, right. magnetism. <laughs> and then Scott has just got the beam going into the middle of the machine. And, and Professor X is little to the right, little to the left, little no, back to the right, no little more to the right. No, no. But we don't, we don't know. Maybe he is using a form of astral projection. To go into the bomb, I don't know. You look at him; he's got his brain. His like mind waves are are hitting the bomb. Yeah, you know, yeah. To kind of to kind of go down and see what's going on. You must use full power, narrow to hairline intensity now. And, <laughs> look, and... all I'm saying is, if they needed to blow a fuse, Bobby should have been the first one to line up to volunteer. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well he ends up he ends up doing it and of course guess what happens they they're like lucifer that was really bad you should never have done that and he's like i'm sorry yeah you're probably right uh i guess now you're gonna kill me and they're like no we're not gonna kill you get out of here promise not to yeah promise not to do it ever again he's like i won't but you're not gonna kill me no we're not gonna kill you that's how good we are it's how awesome we are and he kind of puts his head between his tail or his head between his legs and he wanders off, which is how they end every issue these days. Uh, you beat the bad guy and you're like, no, don't do it again. Okay. And he just walks off. Yeah. But I do find it rather ironic that Professor X is giving this, this big long lecture about how the X-Men have pledged to never cause injury after mm. he was about to commit cold-blooded street I'm... murder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. For revenge. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, he even says it. Vengeance. I want vengeance. He wants vengeance. So, at any rate, Raj, what are your thoughts here? I think the prof has a change of heart at the end. Yeah, that's his right. heart has grown two times bigger. Yeah, uh, and, and I th- his I heart is. I think he's tasted blood and secretly lusting for more. <laughs> he's uh, so he's he's his heart has grown so much that that that. Um, speech that he gives at the end takes up a third of the page of course yeah. the cap the caption after the end takes up another third of the page and the middle third of the page is Iceman saying i'd still like to know who he really is but i guess the prof will tell us in his own good time yeah the story there think again Iceman. ain't gonna happen <laughs> so at any rate, I think I think the one good thing that comes out of the story is that you see the characters starting to use their powers a little more precisely. Yeah. So like all the practice mm-hmm. is paying off. Yeah. There's a little more character development in that regard. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. I thought I thought you were going to say the pinup of Marvel Girl at the very end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that pose with her hands in the air. Uh huh. Yeah. She's waving. She's kind of waving. Yet. Yeah. She's, you know, lifting three different things at once. Um, no wonder right. they call her Marvel Girl. I know. Right. She's a Marvel. So they, they don't have her saying like, oh, this is so hard. Or, oh, this is too heavy. 
this this framed picture is too heavy. Um, I need to go lay down. <laughs> yeah, but I okay. So I know she's done that a few times, but even Cyclops mm -hmm. had to sit down after using his power. Yeah, I, I feel right, like right. yeah, that, that, right, I, right. I feel like that's no, more that's recent true. now. That's more yeah. recent mm -hmm, now. Like, mm -hmm. like she's always had the thing where she got worn out, but he mm -hmm. just yeah, he got worn out doing the iceberg the iceberg and i was like uh, so mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm. kind of interesting they did kind of spread it out i wonder if he they realized did that at full power yeah or i wonder if they realized that they were like we're making the woman look really weak and we need to you know have we either need to cut it out or have it happen to one of the dudes yeah mm -hmm. yeah right. and it's not like they've never done that with the guys it was just that she tended to say it like every time she was doing something with her powers yeah so this is one of the ones i was talking about earlier where i felt like there was a lot of times where they were kind of filling space because mm -hmm. there's a lot of time there's a lot of panels with with lucifer laying on the ground and the professor looking at him there's, a, <laughs> there's like there's like four panels of bobby in the ice block yeah. um there's three pages of Cyclops and the professor talking about blowing a fuse. Yeah. So yeah, just, actually, um, you're talking about that. I'm looking at page 15, and the first two panels are Lucifer laying on the ground and Professor Xavier listening to his heart, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. So, yeah, I do. I do. And I, I, it's like, it just seems like there's times where they're like, oh, we're a little short. Let's go back and add some stuff in. Mm, because okay. I feel, because the, I, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I th I feel like in this one, three panels for Beast to change into his costume, three panels for Iceman to, to yeah. get, na get, get naked and turn into Iceman. <laughs> Professor X astrally projecting and then jumping over a heat wave. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so just like the whole thing with the 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 Avengers screwing with the dude in the convertible, it it just seems like there's a lot of times where some of this stuff was was kind of added to to fill out the issue rather than um, it, it a lot of it doesn't seem to move the story along well. Yeah, well, well I, have, I think I that's, have a. Oh, go ahead. I think that's just the uh, you know there's no there's no one doing the layouts. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a I have a little bit of a theory too, and of course it's just a wild guess, but uh, at this time it seems like the X Men is coming out. It's being released a little more regularly than it was for a while. Um, okay. And I think like where we are in the book, it's already 1965, which you know obviously the book doesn't come out once a month, um, right. but it's starting to come out a little more regularly, and it might be taxing the writer and artist into getting shit done. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, they're also writing and drawing half the other books in the Marvel Universe. So maybe they're running out of time and Jack's like, oh shit, what am I going to do? Well, I'll just, you know, I'll just recycle this or I'll just kind of change this a little bit to kind of fluff it. Yeah. yeah, to fluff it up a little. So, and I, I, I've heard stuff like that as, as far as like, you know, they need to fill space. And so I'm guessing that that's partly why. Okay. Yeah. Just, I, I mean, and it, it, and I'm not saying it's something that's consistent across all issues. I just felt like that, that one, it was a little bit more obvious than maybe some of the other ones. I think you're right on that. Yeah. It's okay. too bad that 
uh, Kirby and Lee are gone now because it'd be really nice to to hear their thoughts on the on their early work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because the stuff, I mean, they, it's not like they've never talked about it, but I mean, they've never gone into it in detail. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I feel like by the time that like Stan started really doing interviews, Kirby, I think, was already he had already passed, right? Or he passed not too long. And and they weren't getting along by that point, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but then, like by the time, so by that, by so by the time Stan started doing interviews, they were both really old, and I don't think anybody wanted to be go up to like someone that's like their grandfather's age and is like, man, this does not hold up. <laughs> <laughs> like, what were you thinking? You know, you don't want, I, I, it's, it's like they're, they, at that point, Stan Lee was so revered that no one, yeah. I don't feel, I don't recall anyone saying, you know, like, I didn't like it. And having a conversation with Stan Lee about why they didn't like the book. Yeah. I was uh, trying to remember when Jack Kirby died. And, you know, he died in 1994, which, dude, we were only 23. Yeah, I mean, we were already into comics, though, and reading comics and talking about the artists and writers. Yeah. Uh, and I assumed by that time that he was already dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, course- like, he wasn't he wasn't as prolific and as some of the others. Like, well, Stan, even- Yeah, Stan was still in the spotlight. Yeah. And his name was still on the books mm-hmm. uh, in 1994, so... Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, they're not even on the books. It was Stan Lee presents the X-Men. And he would show up from time to time, you know, yeah. his, his comic version, uh, comic book version of himself would show up. So, yeah, he was still there. Um, but in, interesting. That's a very good, very good point. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I feel like that would have been an absolutely fascinating conversation to be able to hear is like, mm-hmm. you know, someone that didn't like, or did that had criticisms, not even didn't like, just had criticisms of the book, and for just to hear Stan Lane's defense of why things were the way they were. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't even think it'd be criticisms. It would just be talking to him about what was he thinking when he was writing this. What was his process? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of like podcasts and things out now where they're where they interview creative people, like artists mm-hmm. and actors, and. They talk about the process. Yeah, you, you know? can find how many times they poop on Tuesdays if you really want to dig deep <laughs> yeah. enough. I mean, I, uh, I, I'd like to pitch again to you guys, uh, Jay and Miles, explain the X Men if you haven't heard it. Um, they, I, where I'm listening to, and I'm so far behind this podcast, but I, I try to listen to it like all the time. It's the only podcast I'm listening to right now, and I have my own podcast. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, where I'm at right now, they have just done their 200th episode, which consisted of them talking to Louise Simonson. Um, and she's a really cool person to, to talk to because she gives a really interesting perspective being a woman in the comic book industry. Um, you know, uh, and she, of course, worked for uh, Warren Comics and, uh, you know, a lot of the precursors of, of modern comic books, um, you know, what, what we consider pre-modern comic books, really she's, she was there and, and she's still working and she's still 
talking about comic books with people and, and she's got stories about some of these old timers which is kind of cool so um but yeah if you guys haven't heard it jay and miles explain the x-men is really good uh it's I've, I've been i've been listening to it for a while and it has its ups and it has its downs for me but but they really do some cool some interesting stuff so uh at any rate Last thoughts before we boogie, and I, I guess I give the assignment for next meeting. <laughs> well, I, I, for me, I felt like there were there was a lot of places where it got stronger, and the, it's the, a lot of places where it just went off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> and you're talking about the whole board, right? You're talking yeah. about yeah, 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 totally. Uh, well, like I said, um, now I've read these books over and over. Uh, within the last month, you know, forget the fact that I've read them over and over over the over the years, but uh, <laughs> over the last month I've read them over and over. And Rowan and I binged them all yesterday. And oh wow! We literally spent all day together reading these five comics. <laughs> so, did, 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 uh, tell me truthfully, there, Rob did did Rowan swear a lot? <laughs> she was. Really... <laughs> nope. <laughs> No, I did not. Because I would have. Yeah. <laughs> As I did. I was like, God damn it. We did. We, there were, I mean, there were moments where, uh, you know, there were some eye-opening moments, obviously. And, and of course. I yeah. did. I did make fun of Magneto when um, Submariner <laughs> said, uh, you do not talk to females that way. And then uh, Magneto said, well, I guess we can't be on the same team. And it was like, because I talk shit to bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think one of my, one of my favorite thing in, the, in all of these issues, though, was the fact that the mad thinkers eyebrows look like some caterpillars crawled up right. on his forehead and exploded i think his hair i think his hair looked like a caterpillar exploded on his head I, <laughs> right. uh you know it, it almost looks like a toupee like he's really smart but he's not secure enough to walk around like uh the puppet master you know, um no hair with <laughs> crazy eyebrows because puppet master have got some weird eyebrows himself yeah uh, and, and, hey, let's, and, and, and Professor let's X watch is... that no hair and crazy eyebrows thing. After. <laughs> 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 Professor X's eyebrows are kind of a little all over the place too. Oh, yeah. Sometimes right. they're really, really, but he's got he's got villain eyebrows too, right? He's, he's got, got hypnotist of... eyebrows. That's yeah. what it is. Hypnotist eyebrows. That uh, is what it is. I have I have a theory that the two biggest villains in the Marvel universe are professor Xavier and Reed Richards. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think they are. I could, I, I can see that. And then if we're going to look into the future to more modern comics, where there's a thing called the, what is it? The, ins not the insurgents, the, what is it when all the planets are going to collide and they have to convergence? The, well, it's not, uh, I forget what it's called in the series. At any rate, they realize that all the realities, all the universes are going to collide. And so they have to go to other universes and destroy the lives there. Every, they have to like kill everybody in these universes so that theirs will live. And oh, you know, Reed Richards is up. all about, yeah, let's go ahead and destroy other okay. realities. Mass We're genocide. Gonna... I am down. Yeah, yeah that is villainous. Yeah, Reed so. Richards just wean, leans into it way too fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, he does. <laughs> Oh, he's got a family. Yeah. 
<laughs> all those other worlds that that they don't have families all those families worlds of families so at any rate uh, uh, sick 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 thank you guys for joining us uh i had a lot of fun i hope you did too um it was Meh. it was <laughs> what a dick hey. and you can't be a member of the brotherhood of evil mutants because <laughs> i talk shit to bitches um so so next time we meet uh we're going to talk about journey into mystery number 109 it is thor versus the brotherhood of evil mutants and i think that was a really cool issue i it's been a while since i read it but I I remember liking it a lot. Um, it, it's got a bit to it too. There's like uh, interesting stuff here. So it's the writing is by Stan Lee. The penciling is by Jack Kirby. But Vince Coletta does the inking, and Sam, of course, Sam Rosen does the lettering. So there's some interesting stuff happening. There's a bit of a changeover. Um, uh, you know, as far as as far as what's happening, you see that maybe other people are starting to ink and other people are starting to write, perhaps uh, at any rate. So uh, Thor versus the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. X-Men number 10 is coming up with Kazar. Shane's probably pretty excited here. Um, I got yeah. really into I got really into Kazar when Jim Lee's with Jim Lee's run on the X-Men uh, because. He did some cool shit in the Savage Land. Yeah, and um, then and then Kubert drew the Kazar book for a while, and, and you cannot go wrong with the Kuberts. Hmm. You know that that one of their daughters is an artist now. Oh, nice! That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, yeah, un if you, if you unfortunately, can... in this one, in this case, it's Stan Lee drawing, or I mean, uh, Jack Kirby drawing Kazar. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's fun. Kazar's Lord of the Jungle. And number 11 is The Stranger, which is another super boring character that I, I still found the, the book lots of fun. No touchy. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, number 12 is, is a classic because it is the juggernaut, the menace of the juggernaut. It's a two-parter. It is a two-parter. So we will go from Journey into Mystery 109 X-Men 10, X-Men 11, X-Men 12 with the Juggernaut, and wrapping it with X-Men 13, also with the Juggernaut. Juggernaut. So um, X-Men 13 is interesting because we have... Um, well, excuse me, I guess it's X-Men 12. We have a different penciler. We have Alex Toth doing the pencils, Pencil. Vince Coletta doing the inks. And then on the following issue, the 13, the name is Jay Gavin. For pencils uh and that's a name that we'll see from now on um for quite a while so it looks like jack kirby is on his way out and uh you know a new look to some of the characters that we you know have come to come to love so at any rate um next time we meet i'll talk a little bit about jay gavin and who he is who he really is um, <laughs> yeah. as well as uh instituting something that i came up with uh, a little bit earlier which was a little bit of a trivia trivia question for you guys we'll do that we'll do that next next episode um 
as a way of kind of branching out into the X universe. So thanks everybody for being here and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for having us, Deuter. See you. Right on. See you. All right. This is Rob and uh, Shane's with me. Hello. And, and Roger's with me. Hola. And I really just wanted to say that last episode, uh, there was a falsehood in there. Apparently, I, I lied about having the trivia question because well, I think when we got into the next episode, I, we, I, we just forgot about it. Yeah, we moved on pretty quick. I think it just got forgotten and left in the dust. Which I think is totally fine. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> You know, trivia that ha trivia about stuff that was written before we were born. Yeah, maybe don't need it. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. But it was a lot of fun to read the books and to record the episode. Um, I think anytime I get together with you guys and talk comic books, it's a blast. Yeah, no, you know, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I've enjoyed it. I, and I'm still uh, tripping on the fact that the books continue to get better. Yeah, they absolutely you know, do. It becomes right easier to read them. Well, let's be honest. It's a little bit of a teeter-totter. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, is. early on it is. <laughs> it's even a bigger teeter-totter in the night. Oh, yeah. yeah. Back when they decided everything must be anime. <laughs> <laughs>